my, we both had boxing gloves on. He had little boxing gloves because he didn't know what the hell was going on. But I have these huge boxing gloves, <laughs> you know. I'm bad, I'm bad, you hurt me, you hurt me. We've been in unhealthy relationships prior to the one we're in. And that history contributes to what we want now. We're expecting our partner to show up in a way that meets some need that was not met by someone else. And I, I yeah. wanna say that by the end of the course, we were learning how to speak with each other versus at each other. And that was eye-opening. I remember mentioning this when we were, we were part of the six-week group is humor. For us, it was trying to find the humor any way that we could. Working on projects, for an example, is what connects us. When we need that connection, he will say something and I won't get it. And so we'll have to reflective listen. Did I hear you say that? What did you mean when you said this? Or sometimes it is simply, and I'm more guilty of this, but he's okay with it. If your partner is okay with what you both decided, I will say, Huh? Don't get it. What? Hello and welcome. I'm Jody Carlton and your host today. I'm neurotypical, which means I'm not autistic, but I've spent my entire life in relationships loving people who are autistic. Moreover, I've spent the majority of my career educating about autism and helping couples bridge the gap in neurodiverse relationships. But this podcast is for you. It's a place to talk with me, to share your struggles, talk to me about your wins, your challenges, your victories, and also hear from other professionals who really get it and understand you. So what will we talk about today? Welcome to episode two of season two of the Summer Communication Series. These next few weeks, you guys are going to be really personal for me, and I'm very thrilled to share with you that I'm going to be having guests on the show that are very close and personal to me, my own family members. Um, you have all, if you've followed me for very long, heard me talk a good bit about my daughter, who is a rising sophomore in college at the moment, and she is my autistic um, kiddo, and the reason why I became an autism specialist. And she has a lot of insight to share with you guys, and also her brother, my son, who is 16, and they had a really, what I felt was a wonderful conversation with me about neurodiversity and communication and what it's been like growing up in this, this neurodiverse family of ours and their sibling relationship. Oh, and by the way, if you're listening to this on a podcast platform, I'm actually throwing some family photos over onto the video version of this on my YouTube channel. So if you want to take a peek and see uh, what my family um, actually looks like season pics of my my kids and me with with them. Take a look at the video version of this podcast over on my YouTube channel. I think you all are going to really, really relate to so much of what they have to say because the, the name of this podcast is Your Neurodiverse Relationship. And for many of you who first come here, it's about your your domestic relationship, your marriage, the person you're dating. But as many of you have discovered along the way, these relationships spill over into our family trees. 
And once we start discovering that somebody is autistic, we start looking closer and we see that there are many more in the family who are also autistic. And that is certainly the case with my family. And we discovered many family members who are autistic. And I also have my mother, who is 76 years old, who's also a future guest on the show. And she shares a lot about what it's been like for her to learn about autism from her perspective and how we've discovered that some of her own family members, very close to her, very dear to her and, and me as well, and what that's been like along the way to learn about this. And she's a retired teacher, and she's also sharing about her perspective, learning about how uh, she knows and realizes she had autistic students, and she didn't realize what autism was at the time. So that will start next week. But today, I have uh, more of my interview and conversation with Michelle, who was just so excited to talk to, to everyone last year was when I, I actually met with her about how the communication program that I have really just totally changed her entire life and her marriage with her husband, Dave. Now, this communication program, I call it Crack the Communication Code. It, uh, it has really evolved over the years. And quite honestly, it started as my own strategy for in my own personal neurodiverse relationships. Um, there, were, there were just no models. There was no help for people in neurodiverse relationships on how to communicate, how to successfully connect with partners, domestic partners, but also just with our family members. There are communication and social skills uh, training, but those are all really geared and aimed toward the autistic individuals on how to communicate more like neurotypicals. And there were not really any programs on how to bridge the gap between two people, one neurodiverse and one neurotypical, where it's not any one person's responsibility to come to the other. And, and I, I had a problem with the models that expected autistic individuals just to come and be more like neurotypicals because those of you who are autistic, you know, you're, you're not wired to do that. And me as a neurotypical, I'm not wired to think like you. And, and, and so I started putting together my own strategies and tools to interact with, with my own family and the people in my life that I loved. And then those of you who are in relationships kept asking me for help. And so I started sharing those strategies with you and I saw that it was working. And this, this is, so this communication program has evolved over the course of several years. And now I've seen so many couples really just, it's, it's changed lives and it's just been so, so rewarding for me to be on my end of this and see this, this happen. And it's, it's life altering for people. And for some of my couples, there's clarity, and the clarity sometimes comes in the form of realizing that a relationship is actually not going to work. And that can be painful, but it's also painful to be in a relationship for decades that is not in alignment and is, just doesn't have the capacity for connection. And so my coaching program and this communication program is not just about making a relationship work. It's about first clarifying if it's even possible. But then for those of you where it is possible, bridging that communication divide so that you do 
actually learn how to reach each other in the middle and speak each other's language more. You'll never be wired the same, but you learn how to actually start to interact. The program is foundational for my, my coaching program. I pretty much require couples who want to work with me privately to go through this communication program first because coaching is just a waste of your money if you haven't learned the basic foundation of the communication program first. And so I do have a, a self-study course that you can take on your own, the four-stage communication hack. It's on my website. You can actually go to crackthecommunicationco.com to access that. Or you can do a live workshop with me. It used to be a six-week coaching group. Um, that's a long time to spread it out. So uh, I've just I've condensed that down now to a half-day workshop. And the next one of those is on July 8th. And we're opening up enrollment for that this week. And I do have an early bird special for that. So you're going to want to visit crackthecommunicationcode.com if you wanted to hop in on that. There are limited spaces for this workshop because I don't just teach at you. This is interactive. You get actual coaching from me in this workshop with other couples. So I do cap it at a, a certain number of couples to be on this workshop with me. So if you're interested, make sure and grab your spot because I want to be able to give everybody the space to talk with me and get direct feedback from me. You may want to just sit there and listen, and that's fine. And you will get so much from hearing from the other couples who do participate. I look forward to meeting some of you in the next workshop on July 8th. So let's just transition on now into Michelle, because I know you're going to want to listen to more of what she has to say. You just mentioned reflective listening, which is, it, this is actually a, a, a technique used in a lot of the, the, the coaching counseling world. Uh, but it, it, I, we've tweaked it a little bit here in this program um, to not just reflect back what was heard, but to also then add that question of what did you mean by a certain phrase or a certain expression? Because to me, that means whatever it means, what does it mean to you? And, and so many times couples realize at that point, oh, I I mean this when I say that. You mean that? Um, and and couples are like, wow. that, and, and and how do you get that from that? But it's important that, whether it makes sense to either partner. It is what it is. If it means this to one person and this to another person, it's important to clarify that. Michelle, we've got some comments here, and I just want to uh, mention them. Um, so from from YouTube, we've got Clara who's saying that the the part of the program about memory, what, what I was saying earlier about how we remember um, our, our interactions and how the meaning, once we understand the meaning, it's, it really changes how we're actually remembering those interactions. And that then changes our narrative of the, the relationship. And Claire's saying that really has, has uh, helped her a lot. Um, and so uh, let's see. And uh, Wendy is saying that, the quote, you made a statement, not a question, is something that she hears all the time. So that there again has to do with the different ways that we're using language. When a statement is made, oftentimes individuals on the spectrum, partners on the spectrum, don't realize that a response is expected. I hear this all the time between partners who text each other. And so a neurotypical partner will send a, a text with a lot of information and not hear a word back from their neurodiverse partner. 
and then get very offended and hurt and offended is maybe not the right word, but but um, rightfully so, because in neurotypical speak, we know that there's a response necessary, you know, even if it's a thumbs up, but what happens is a neurodiverse partner oftentimes doesn't realize, oh, I need to acknowledge what was said. My partner's expecting me to acknowledge it. I know I read it and I know that I heard it, that, that I understand it, but my partner doesn't know. And that, that gets into theory of mind, which is the ability to see the perspective and understand the point of view of our partner and understand that because, I, you know, just because I know I got that message doesn't mean that my partner knows I got that message. So I'm sorry to interrupt your train of thought, but I wanted to just comment on yes. respond to these, these comments here. So, so go ahead. I'm going to turn it back over to you. Um, and I, I want to say that by the end of the course, we were learning how to um, speak with each other versus at each other. And that was eye-opening. Now, what I think is also important is I love him, my heart, every bit of me. But I also knew that I had to say, what were my deal breakers? What was important to me? And, and in, our, in our course with you, we did our twos and tens of boundaries. We did our deal breakers. And I'll share mine. David maybe one day will come on with me and he will share his. Um, my deal breaker was and is you can, we cannot stop learning and gaining knowledge. Because when we stop gaining knowledge, learning, going back and saying, where are we? What can we do to take us on the next step of this journey? And I say that because we had a very, just because as like any other couple, but more so for a neurodiverse marriage, you are going to come up with these moments and these times where you're not sure where you're going, what you're doing, or what the hell you learned anything for. And we went through one of those experiences recently. And boy, did we pull out our Jody. Did we, you know, one day I was so hurt, David set up a, um, uh, a little tray table out by the TV with some snacks and this cute little face that he had on because we both went back, both of us. It's not just on one who has to take the responsibility. We both had to learn to take responsibility and we had to start over. Now, Dave and I also have um, a really wonderful neurotherapist um, that we've been able to have for a while who was able to complement that for us. When we look at, um, when we sat down and David said to me uh, on the couch, he looked at me and he said, I don't think I've been reflective listening to you. And I said to him, and I don't think I've cared to listen to you at all. <laughs> but it was honest. It was authentic. And if we can take the time and the patience. I say this to any of the couples watching, to anyone watching who feels 
that they have no place left to turn, that it's all over for them, that it doesn't have to be, that you can take that next step. You can make a game changer. The crack the code communication is our game changer and it can be your game changer. But you both have to say, I'm ready and I'm willing to change. If you can't put it, at first I thought that everything was all on the Aspie. But in having to learn about myself and taking responsibility and Jody beating it into my head, I had to own up to my shit too. So it becomes a team. And when you become a team, you have that intimacy. And I, the intimacy from what I've heard from so many women, and this is a tip out there for all you uh, Aspie guys, a touch on the face, a touch on the neck, a kiss on the head. No other higher expectations can reap the greatest rewards from your NT partner. Jody has a, and I'm going to invite everybody to go take a look at it and then take the next step. Um, it's an intimacy and sex series, which I found um, fascinating. Um, we watched it again last night. Um, we were watching through some videos, as my husband and I do. We call it the, let's give it a good polish. Um, and I th it's fascinating because all of the stages that she talks about in Cracking the Communication Code is discussed about sex. Now, I hope I'm not turning anybody off. I hope not anybody's running away. But in a neurodiverse marriage, it's we need that connection. And believe it or not, as my SB wonderful husband told me, he needs the connection. He feels as deeply as anyone feels. He just can't get it to come out his mouth. It stays here in his brain. It doesn't come out his mouth. So if it's not coming out of his mouth, how am I supposed to know it's there? Unless we take it step by step and use all of these skills in our intimate making love moments. Yes. So let me jump in here. And <laughs> what Michelle is talking about. So uh, Amber just dropped the link to uh, one of those videos that's actually on YouTube. And what she's talking about, the series, um, is in my video library, uh, which you can actually ac access on, on my website, which is jodycarlton.com. So that's what she's referring to. Because, you know, I want to I circle back to what you also have said multiple times. And it's something that I'm saying all the time. Uh, you're talking about being a team. And I'm constantly talking to my clients about taking off the boxing gloves. It's an analogy. I am the queen of analogies, you guys. <laughs> I love them. And so I'm always talking about taking off the boxing gloves. In other words, so many couples, when you first come to me, you are in, it's like you're in a boxing ring and you are not on the same team. You are against each other. You are on opposite sides and you're both trying so hard to to be heard and to for your you want your partner to come over to your side you want your partner to understand you and i hear statements like well if he would just or if she would just 
Um, and like Michelle even mentioned, a lot of partners that are neurotypical really believe that their uh, autistic spectrum neurodiverse partner is the problem. And that if if he or she just would get educated and learn, then this marriage would be so much better. And there is truth to that. Yes, my neurodiverse folks absolutely have a lot to learn, but my neurotypical folks have a lot to learn in, in this whole process as well. Because all, all of us choose each other for a reason. Sometimes we're not under, we don't understand the reasons that we chose our partner. And I hear all sorts of things about masking and he tricked me and he fooled me. But the thing is, everybody puts, everybody uses a script early in, in courtship and dating and, and uh, even early in a marriage, we, we play the roles that we think we're supposed to play. And as, as Michelle mentioned, the intention for folks on the spectrum is not harm. It's not to harm my, my, my clients, my spectrum clients love their partners. And like she said, men can feel those emotions. As a matter of fact, some of my, my spectrum folks feel emotion more intensely than their the neurotypical folks. But I do want to point out neurodiversity is about extremes. It's about being at one end of, of, of an, of, of, the spectrum really is many different spectrums. It's many different, if you think of number lines, there's many of them. There's executive functioning and, and there's emotion and there's language. And in, with neurodiversity, we're at one end of the extreme or the other. So some folks on the spectrum really don't understand what it means when neurotypicals talk about emotions and feelings, whereas others have very, very intense emotions and feelings. The key here is being willing to take off the boxing gloves. And this is one of the first things I do when I, when people come and work with me in private coaching, one of the first things we do is we work on decreasing the antagonism and, and we have to get the conflict level down to a point where both people feel safe and willing and, and able to be vulnerable and authentic in joining together and becoming a team. And this, you guys, by the way, Michelle mentioned the two or 10 scale. That is my battle busters system. It is a method that, that I I've used in my own life. I use it in my own life all the time to figure out what those deal breakers are and what's even worth having a conversation. Oh, you know, some things are not even worth the conversation. Some things are, and some things are are very important. And this, this system is a very scripted system for you to figure out how to decide how to, how to interact and even how to communicate to each other what's important to you. Um, if you are in the boxing ring with your partner, you cannot connect because nobody wants to connect with their enemy, with their opponent. No, that's not safe. At a, at a very primitive level in our brains, our brains are screaming at us, no, 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 when there is someone who, who we perceive as an enemy and we try to connect with them, it's counterintuitive. So we have to learn how to take those boxing gloves off and look at ourselves. And the boxing gloves can be hard to take off, um, which is why I'm, I'm glad it was so nice to have it early on. Because originally, um, 
coming to you, there's so much anger. And I think for a lot of couples, that's where they start from the anger, the hurt, the pain. So the boxing, my, we both had boxing gloves on. He had little boxing gloves because he didn't know what the hell was going on. Um, except that's was, what I hear a lot. He was trying, but I have these huge boxing gloves, <laughs> you know, I'm mad. I'm mad. You hurt me. You hurt me. That's and, what I typically hear, Michelle. We had to get them off. <laughs> Mm -hmm. Yeah, I hear I hear that my neurotypical partners are feeling the most hurt. My neurodiverse partners are the most confused and aren't really aware that there's as much of a problem. But uh, the one thing that that I will say about my neurodiverse folks is where they have the boxing gloves on is when they're they they are concerned about being uh, targeted or or they're concerned about being the problem. So a lot of my neurodiverse folks who eventually come on in to the program, the communication program, or to, to a, a consultation with me are very guarded and concerned about, well, are you going to tell me that neurodiversity or autism is why our marriage isn't working? And the first thing I say is no. And as a matter of fact, we don't just look at one person being the identified problem we look at how far apart you are from each other because some of my couples have very, very different ways of, of their brain functioning, whereas others are a little bit closer together. And that gives me a, a real clear understanding of how differently you actually think and go about life. And also on the criticizing, um, it took me a little while to learn that, my, that, that he feels criticized or judged a lot more than I thought he did so i yeah. have to be mindful of wait are you feeling does this make you feel criticized or are you feeling judged or how much expectations are put on you yes yes absolutely and so i i think that's a, a common misperception for neurotypical partners is that there there's because you mentioned how dave feels but doesn't know how to get those words out of his mouth. He doesn't know how to articulate it, which is a language uh, difficulty. But neurodiverse partners oftentimes really do feel criticized and hurt. And this is where we see the stonewalling and the shutdown and the meltdowns. But it looks like just a selfish, self-absorbed tantrum. Whereas really a neurodiverse partner is oftentimes feeling very attacked and, and very criticized and doesn't know how to articulate, does not know how to say that. This is something that um, I would love to kind of pass on to other people who are out there, something that my husband and I have done. Um, when we go places, we're going to do something. It took me a very long time, years, to figure out that he doesn't have to go where I go. And if we go to a party and he used to sit there in a corner and people would ask me, is he mad? Is he upset? what's wrong with him? And I would take that on to myself. Now I understand where it comes from. So we will go to a party, we will go somewhere, and I we will agree ahead of time. If you need to take a walk, take a walk. It doesn't affect me. I don't take it personally, because it's not about me. If your person needs to take a walk, let him take a walk. If you have grandchildren, go ahead. Let them take the grandchildren and use the grandchildren as their excuse to escape everything. 
okay? Respect the part of what is those big things that really matter. Going to lunch with a few people, does that matter more than a party where everybody's getting together? Give and take in that, but give each other space and maybe make love afterwards. And, you know, so much of this comes down to examining our expectations and examining why we want what we want. And so many times we don't ask ourselves why we actually think that this, whatever this is, is what is supposed to happen in a relationship. That this, whatever that is, is how my partner is supposed to act toward me. Or this is what we do as a couple. This is how uh, how our intimacy is supposed to go. It's important for us to ask why why do we believe that? Where does that belief come? And then keep asking why. And why is that? And why is that? And why is that? Because so many times we get these beliefs from places like movies or our own dysfunctional families. So many of us come from, myself included, a dysfunctional family background. This comes up a lot in like trust. If, if we've someone's betrayed us or or hurt us in the past then we want our partner to be trustworthy when really that's about us not about them and and you know trust is important but our fear our fear of betrayal that that's about us and and I'm speaking to both of you both neurotypical and neurodiverse because we all bring this is stage 1 stage 1 of communication we bring uh, so many different things to our relationships. And so that's going back then to battle busters, figuring out what's really important in our relationships to, to actually request what's important to request and what's important to, uh, to have those conversations uh, about with our partner. Because the, if they love me, they would say this, if they love me, they would do that. If they love me, I would, they would act this way. The truth is, two different brains, two different countries, two different languages, so they can't say it to begin with. It has to be a whole new way. Otherwise, they'll never know what they're saying. Right, so and it does not mean <laughs> that they don't love you or that you don't love them. It just means you're speaking it in a different way. You're speaking that uh, that love, that that um, fondness, that affection, that care. It it's being spoken in a different language, and so it is so critical to learn how to understand each other. And that is what this communication program does for everybody. So I would like to go ahead and throw out there for you and for anyone else listening who is in that. That, that hurtful, dreadful place where you know how much you love and want to keep your marriage. If you have a spouse or a partner who is willing to sit down, show them this that you're listening to right now, there is no judgment, there's no criticism. There's support for both neurotypical and for the neurodiverse. Start little. Start with the videos, start with the library, 
but pull the person that you love. If they're even willing for a moment to entertain the thought, don't stop, folks. Run. Run as fast as you can and just say, I love you. Let's do it. Okay, that's a wrap for episode two. So be sure and tune in next week to listen into a conversation with my family members starting next week. I cannot wait to share my family with you. You've heard me talk about them so much. And I'm looking forward to you hearing what they have to say. Talk to you then. Remember to tune in each week for a new episode of your neurodiverse relationship podcast. Now, remember, this is your podcast and I want to talk to you. Share with me your personal experiences with neurodiversity. If you're a professional working with autism, I'd also like to talk to you. To be a guest on the show, the link is in the episode description where you can book a time for a recorded chat with me. Also, be sure to subscribe to the podcast so you won't miss any of the wonderful conversations we're having here and the relationship insights and tips that I have for you. Until next time.